When someone says the word currency to you, you probably think of the dollar, the pound, the yen, the peso, and the euro. But what do you know about bitcoins? Almost nine years ago, the cryptocurrency was created. We still don't really know by who. But bitcoins have recently taken the world by storm. The digital currency is making it easy to make a transaction anonymously, with no middlemen, meaning no banks, no governments. And now bitcoins can be used to pay for all kinds of things, from online games to booking hotels, even a trip to the dentist or into space. Today, many people are seeing bitcoins as this terrific investment. And as we've seen in recent months, the value is soaring. But there are so many questions about bitcoins. What's it worth? Why are the prices skyrocketing? How do I buy them? How do I save them? Where do I store them? What if I get hacked and drained of all my bitcoins? The list goes on. I'm Kim Commando, and in this week's special Commando On Demand podcast, I'm going to answer all of the questions many of you have, but maybe you're just a little too embarrassed to ask. And to help me answer all these questions, I'm joined by renowned attorney Stephen Tepler. Stephen is a leader in electronic discovery and technology-related law. We're going to answer your questions about Bitcoins, and also we're going to talk about how the virtual money can be regulated. Here's the deal. So many people don't have a clue what a Bitcoin is or how it actually works. As a matter of fact, this morning in my email, gosh, I can't believe this. A 72-year-old woman sent me a note and said, you know, dear Kim, I trust you. I've listened to the show for years. Should I actually cash out my 401k, my retirement fund, uh, and invest it all into Bitcoins? Could you imagine? We're going to answer her question later on in this podcast. But you want to stay close to your headphones, your earbuds, however you get this podcast. Because if you've ever wondered about Bitcoins, how it works, the good side, the bad side, is we're going to cover all of that. But we're going to start at the very beginning. Because so often we see in the news, in the headlines, on various websites and blogs, we we see that phrase, the Bitcoin. Well, you know, a Bitcoin is electronic currency. It's sometimes called cryptocurrency. It lives on the Internet. Now, there is no physical coin anywhere. It's really just this crazy string of numbers. And that's where it starts to get just a little bit confusing because how do you actually trade in Bitcoins? And what is it used for? And how do you get a hold of it? Well, the Bitcoin is this this network. And from a user perspective, it's kind of like a certain cash on the internet. And it can also be seen as, sometimes people say, this intricate bookkeeping system in existence. But Stephen, when we we hear people talk about how much money they are making in Bitcoins, are they truly making that kind of money? That's a very good question, Kim. And the answer is, I'm almost certain that that's not the case because you have Bitcoin, in particular, in any one of the cryptocurrencies, which, by the way, are not crypto because they're secret, but because they use encryption as part of their, um, as part of the way they create these um, these fiat these non-fiat currencies, and I can explain that a little bit later as well. There is just no way to say that um, the value of this currency is anything other than what a certain small group of people or a small what a small volume of available bitcoin might might dictate and what i mean by that is 
that this is a system in which it is very what we call illiquid and it is illiquid meaning you can't trade it easily because there aren't a whole lot of players and there aren't a whole lot of players because there isn't a whole lot of cryptocurrency around and so where you have an illiquid market think about um, very very small stocks on on some of the smaller exchanges where you have huge fluctuations because there aren't a lot of players and there isn't a lot of inventory around to sell and buy and so where this where you have this type of scenario you can have huge fluctuations of this um, of this what they call a currency and it's really not a currency because it is not it's not backed by any government either state or national government like any european country or any american country there's no guarantee that it'll be worth anything tomorrow in fact it could be worth zero tomorrow if everybody walks away from the system and in the end well this started out pretty much as something which looked like game currency so if you ever seen a loot box uh, in a game and gamers will understand this immediately um, you can buy loot in a game right and cryptocurrency is basically game loot that people are using for real-world transactions unfortunately the real-world transactions have been for the most part transactions for um, either drugs or contraband of various types on the on the dark net but that's changing I mean you have Microsoft Newegg Overstock.com, uh, Expedia. There's a, a dentist here uh, in a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona, in Tempe, who he's on he's on television saying, you know what, I, I'll take your bitcoins. There are some Bitcoin ATMs, so people are yep. starting to use this for for regular stuff. I mean, you have the the Weeklevoss twins. They reportedly invested 11 million dollars years ago, and with the current prices. They're claiming to be the first billionaires of Bitcoin investing. And that's where your risk is. So if the, if the Winklevoss, let, let me pose a scenario to you. This is not a currency. It is a commodity. If you're comfortable trading commodities, then Bitcoin may be perfect for you. And unfortunately, as with most other commodities, it is totally unregulated. And there are a lot of scammers out there as well, because that's people know that that's where the money is. Um, it is something which has caught the eyes of um, a lot of, uh, let's call them, you know, people who want to work outside the system. Uh, it permits, um, a not, supposedly, uh, ostensibly permits anonymous transactions, which the IRS is looking into because yeah. it really isn't totally anonymous. I, I think that but, was funny that the IRS is like, okay, well, wait a minute. Oh, we, we need our piece of the action here. What's going on? <laughs> well, the, so, yeah, so let's look at it as a commodity. It's not a currency. So if you hold dollar bills, and whether your dollar bill on the foreign exchange is worth uh, three euros or one euro, that doesn't change the value of your dollar in the United States, right? But with, with, with cryptocurrency, the value of that Bitcoin will change from day to day. So if you pay for a service today and your Bitcoin is worth a thousand dollars tomorrow it may be worth two thousand dollars so of course now you've lost out because you could have paid with less Bitcoin tomorrow for what you could have gotten today that's not the way currency works not only that you in your contracts 
if you have a contract where you have work done over time, you may have to agree on a value of the Bitcoin in order to have the transaction not be worth 10 times as much or a tenth of as much as either of the parties who were agreeing to the contract agreed to. And that's a, you know, um, that's a really good point because, as you said, with a commodity, there's supply and demand. And right now there are 16.73 million Bitcoins in circulation. And they say that there can never be more than 21 million Bitcoins ever. Now, what I think is really important for folks to know is that Bitcoin is not the only cryptocurrency. So when we start talking about commodities, if you looked at the cryptocurrency market capitalizations, there's, well, I'll give you the exact numbers, 1,334 of them, which adds up to $491 billion. So there's a lot out there. So what if... What, what would happen if another cryptocurrency became more popular than Bitcoin? It would eventually you're going to have uh, it is a simple economics. You'll have market you'll have markets that get crowded out. Or Bitcoin, there may be a uh, a quasi merger in which um, owners of Bitcoin will offer Bitcoin in exchange for um, in exchange for other cryptocurrencies such as Monero or Ethereum. There are a bunch of different cryptocurrencies. The, you know, again, the issue is it's worth only what people who are involved in it will pay for it. Let's say the Winklevoss twins decide to do what the Hunt brothers did in the 80s with silver, and they ran the market. They ran the market way up. They ran the market in silver up to nosebleed heights, and then what they did was they sold out their, uh, I believe the way it is, they sold out their, their holdings and then when the market crashed, they bought it back. So, I mean, <laughs> they, they were what, smart. <laughs> okay. That's what, but that's what traders do every day. And this is, if you have a commodity, commodities get traded. And this, and and unless you are sophisticated enough to know when to move in and when to move out, which means you have to have the knowledge that the Winklevoss twins have, and you may not. And so the issue is, you know, do you really, you know, what is your taste for risk? And if you take, if you have taste for risk, remember that. You know, Bitcoin may not be the, you know, the, the star of the day in a, in a year. And, and, and to your point about um, IBM and, and these other technology companies, it's not the Bitcoin that's attracting all the information, that's attracting all the attention, rather. It's the blockchaining technology underlying the Bitcoin uh, itself. And remember, the Bitcoin is just a little piece of data that resides, oh, by the way, we didn't talk about exchanges and the frailty of exchanges. Which we should. And, and But before we go to that, I just want to answer our listener, 72-year-old woman in Chicago. Uh, the, the answer is do not cash out your 401k and your retirement money and put it all into Bitcoin. And if, if, you, if you have an itch, if you do have an itch, what you do is you look at Bitcoin as an extremely risky investment and take out however much of that 401k you're willing to lose tomorrow. And then you can play around with it. And then you play around with it and see what happens. You may make a lot of money, you may lose it all, but as far as you're concerned, you've just, you've just pulled the handle in Vegas. So when I have actual currency, is that you, know, you, you put the dollar bill, the 20, the 100, whatever it may be, you put it in your wallet. And a lot of people don't understand that this that you have to store your bitcoins and the the Winklevoss twins they've reportedly 
what do they have? Their, they have their Bitcoins in six or seven different vaults, which means they probably have it in more than those places, if that's what they're willing to publicly state. Uh, a lot of folks believe that they should be storing their Bitcoins on a flash drive or uh, maybe a safety deposit box. There's a story about a guy, I believe in Wales, who had a hard drive that he disposed of like five years ago. And the hard drive is now in the, uh, the, uh, the county landfill. <laughs> and so he's trying to get permission to go dig out a hard drive from five years to see if he can get his, his Bitcoins back. It's not that the Bitcoins don't live on your computer. Your, your passphrases yes. to access the exchange in your wallet, which, are, which, uh, which you must use to, to use your Bitcoin, are something that you need. So if you forget your password, you're dead. Because nobody, you can't. There's no recovery capability. There's nothing. The one of the risks also, and, and depending upon how you, there isn't just an exchange. There isn't just a wallet. There, there are two types of storage for Bitcoin. You can have live storage, which is not really that expensive on an exchange, or you can have what's called um, cold offline storage. That would be like putting it on a on a, a flash drive. Would that be? It? No, 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 no. It's it's on it's. On it would be stored in the exchange in the vault, but the vault itself would be offline. So if the exchange itself gets hacked, it only attacks those bitcoins that are online, ready for usage. You would have to transfer your uh, your bitcoin from a um, from a storage status to a ready to transact status. And most people don't realize the difference. And one of the problems is is that the blockchain technology and Bitcoin technology have inherent vulnerabilities in them that have not been addressed. And the reason they haven't been addressed is that if they address it, it makes it'll change the currency itself and make it less negotiable. So these exchanges are pretty much sitting ducks. I think the ninth or the tenth exchange in the last year and change. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these changes, like Mt. Gox, wound up um, in current value billions of dollars worth of um, worth, worth of of Bitcoin. But remember again, you know, when people say that Bitcoin is worth twenty thousand dollars per Bitcoin, I would like to see somebody who said, "I've just cashed out a hundred Bitcoin and I got Cash American hundred times six twenty thousand dollars." I want you know. Two million dollars. Thank let's, you. Let's meet them. <laughs> those are the guys and gals that we want. Yeah, um, it, are, yeah. nobody's done that. Well, Virgin Galactic says that they're going to take bitcoins for your future space travel. <laughs> so, in case you wanted to ever try that, uh, I also had a, a question from a listener not too long ago on the show about if it's really true that you can make money bitcoin mining. What do you have to say about that? Well. You have a couple of competitors who are doing the same thing. If you are the NSA or the Chinese intelligence agencies, or you run a huge graphics art studio that has uh, hundreds of graphics and you need graphics processors for these, not just regular CPUs, yeah, you can do it. But it will take you um, a long time because the process is a very, very computationally intensive process. And you will probably have to get an air-conditioned server room to do it, and a big one. So the answer is yes, and maybe with the newer, with the newer uh, cryptocurrencies, it will be easier. But again, 
um, you know, the, the idea is it, there are people who are very, very well um, resourced way ahead of you. So, you know, by the time you find out about it as a lay person, uh, you're probably close to the last in line. You want to talk a little bit about how Bitcoin's used on the dark web and how and and I'd also be interested because a lot of folks have been talking about who created the Bitcoin. Uh, what's the, I can't I don't know if I'm going to pronounce the guy's name right. Satoshi Nakamoto. Yep. Is that correct? Um, which may be a, which may be a pseudonym for the, the inventor. We're not sure who it was it was. Um, he basically uh, Bitcoin.org was registered as a domain name in August of 2008. Um, again, we think it was posted as open source code and released in January 2009 on on, on a GitHub type of um, open source site. You know, the identity of this person, man, woman, uh, is still not known. But what what's happening is that it is. You know, there are only a certain number of Bitcoin, as you mentioned, that can be that can exist. And the idea here is, well, you know, how do you create a currency that you can use in in um, um, in com in everyday usage without, you know, how do you split up a Bitcoin? Well, there are there are tens and thousands, and now there are milli Bitcoins, thousands of a Bitcoin. Um, you know, think about keeping the change on this. But on the dark web, on the dark web, and I've seen live demonstrations. I um, um, I work with a computer security and forensics firm that deals with this frequently on on both the criminal and civil side. Um, looking at the dark web, you will see which you typically, as a general user, cannot get to without being invited in. Uh, you'll see um, drugs for sale, weapons for sale, um, sexual services for sale. Uh, when I mentioned contraband, perhaps earlier, what I was meaning was child pornography. So these are the businesses that are being driven by this, um, by cryptocurrency, and it is the underground economy. What, what do you think the future of Bitcoin is? I think, and this is one man's opinion, I think what will happen is that you will have perhaps a country that will wind up putting its full faith and credit behind Bitcoin. and not. Really? Bitcoin itself, but its own version of a cryptocurrency. Um, a long, long, long time ago, I had an argument with a tax professor of mine talking about the underground economy. I used to, um, I worked at a, at a, at a restaurant where um, I was curious as to how the proprietor paid his taxes. And he looked at me and he said, if he ever figured out how much ingredients cost and what I serve, um, I'm out of business. And it's because he was not <laughs> declaring much in terms of income. But what this and, and what I had posited a long time ago was to take currency out of circulation and replace it with something that could be tracked. And cryptocurrencies can be tracked. And if you have a, um, if you have a country that says, look, we want, um, we want to get engaged in this, the country can actually create its own cryptocurrency for, for usage that would be backed by the full faith and credit of the issuing uh, country. So that's where I think it's going to go. Um, you know, will there always be a um, kind of a, a, a dark web or, um, you know, crypto sense to this? Yeah, there'll always be some. But I, you know, the people, when I mentioned to people about the tulip craze in the 1600s, 
There was a rush to trade in tulips in um, the 1600s, where tulips were the bitcoins of the 16th of the 17th century, and they reached to amazing, amazing value value heights, kind of like what Bitcoin is doing. And then one day the bottom fell out, and people were just wiped out. So remember, this is a commodity that nobody regulates, that has no basis in any ascertainable value or any commodity. It's not tied to any other commodity. And it's not tied to a to the full faith and credit of any of any country. So it's really a buyer beware. Let's let's talk a little bit about any time that that there's money online. It seems like it brings out the hackers, right? Absolutely. Why aren't the hackers, or are they, going after bitcoins? Well, there are there are there are instances. There are two levels of of hacking that's going on, or criminal hacking. And one is the smaller version where you will receive a, a scam email or a phishing email that basically says, you know, you can pay for this, pay this invoice, you owe us this invoice, please pay this in Bitcoin. You know, so on the, on the consumer side, you'll receive a, a phishing email or some sort of arrangement for something where you'll have to pay in Bitcoin. Ransomware is typically paid in Bitcoin. So, in fact, it's only paid in Bitcoin because it keeps it, 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 it is a sufficient level of anonymity that makes it um, hard for uh, law enforcement to track. And for the $5,000 or $10,000 that you've just lost because, you know, you have to pay to get your, your data back, well, nobody's going nobody's gonna to care. So there's, there's hacking on that level. The real hacking is where the money is, and the money is in the exchanges and those who hold the wallets and those wallets that aren't in storage. Those live wallets are, you know, are game for, are fair game for hackers, and they are being attacked almost on a a daily basis. So the answer is yes. Criminals are after your Bitcoin, whether it's in your account uh, or it's in your wallet at home. Or, 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 you know, if they can get it through ransomware. Stephen, as you well know, not all transactions go wisely or the way that we want them. As we start talking about Bitcoins and cryptocurrencies and all this virtual money, is there anything that the state or the federal government can do to protect consumers against bad transactions and bad businesses? Um, you know, I think that I think that you're going to well. As of last night, I am the um, I'm the leader of a work group at the American Bar Association that's dealing with a uh, a recommendation by the ABA by the American Bar Association for state law commissioners for the states to come up with a uniform code, a uniform set of laws like the Uniform Commercial Code or the um, Uniform Electronic Transactions Act that can be adopted by all 50 states that can start the ball rolling on getting on, on getting a grip on how to control this um, this species of commodity to protect consumers and to kind of normalize it a little bit more. And we've, we've just actually last night, this is news, we've just um, have gone thumbs up on the uniform state law commissioners to go ahead with their work. Our recommendation is that they go ahead with this work because we don't think that the federal government is either inclined or has the competency or the resource or the resources or, or, or the, the will to, um, to enact any legislation or impose any regulations. 
because it's hard enough for them to, I guess, wake up in the morning and go to work, apparently. Um, so we think that rather than wait for years, perhaps, in, in, for the feds to work, that a good start would be to have a uniform state law across all 50 states that would start addressing some of the issues we've talked about today with, with, um, with cryptocurrencies. What would be the overriding positive effect of such legislation? Um, it would shake out some of the scammers and the hackers. It would require possibly uh, protections for people who are involved in it. It would certainly um, encourage more transparency in the transactional process such that, you know, you could make sure that what you're seeing is what you're, what you're getting is what you're seeing or what's being um, touted to you and could also, you know, uh, permit, um, if there were disputes, it would provide a reasonable legal interpretation of what your rights are if, there, if a dispute arises in connection with blockchain ownership or usage. But how do you take an online virtual currency and then apply real-world legislation to that? Well, it's, it's going to be very direct, difficult. Well, you know, the, the uniform state law commissioners back in way back in, in the old days, in, in the early 1900s, did the same thing with all commercial transactions, with the sale of goods and services. And they were faced with an incredible number of issues. When you go to law school your first year uh, or second year of law school, you'll eventually take commercial transactions and your eyes will spin on the evolution of Articles 1 through 9 of how commercial transactions, you know, who is a consigner, who is not a consigner, when is uh, delivery considered to have been made, what about notice in the case of a breach, what about an anticipatory breach. All of these things can be... Um, applied and and evolved to address um, Bitcoin ownership and transactions, and I think and and rights and obligations, and that I think would be a good step to know that hey you're in the state of X. The state of X provides that if you have a transaction with person Y, and this happens, you have recourse. You have legal recourse, or that you are obligated to do this for your counterparty in a transaction. So in the case of my, my dentist that wants to take my Bitcoins, if he totally screws up my mouth, <laughs> then I, I, I have some recourse. Yeah, but think about this. Um, you've paid how much? Okay, so you pay him one Bitcoin for... A filling, implant, yeah. Or, or whatever. I'm right. just hypothesizing. Okay. And three months later, everything bad happens. And you want your money back. And you get, you know, you tell him, I want a refund. And he'll say, fine. But in the meantime, Bitcoin has gone up by, you know, two times. So he pays you back a third of a Bitcoin. Hmm. You say, wait a minute, I gave you a Bitcoin. No, 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 no. You gave me, you know, $10,000 worth of Bitcoin. What happens if Bitcoin goes down? What's he, you know, you then get a bit, you then probably get a full Bitcoin back and say, wait a minute, no, you're... The value of your services was 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 uh, ten thousand dollars. I want ten thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. That's one point six Bitcoin now. 
let me tell you something. I'm fascinated by Bitcoins, and I'm going to follow all the highs and lows of the Bitcoin saga. So make sure you keep listening to my podcast and my national radio show. And you want to subscribe to my podcast and read my articles. We've got everything you need to operate wisely in the world of technology. My website is Good Education, and it's totally free. Let me tell you, it just doesn't get any better than that. And I want to say a special thank you to my guest, Stephen Tepler, and the sponsors of this podcast. And just a reminder, if you're not already getting my podcast delivered to you automatically, make sure that you subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play. And by the way, this podcast is not The Kim Commando Show. You could learn more about The Kim Commando Show podcast by heading over to getkim.com. That's getkim.com. I'm Kim Commando, America's digital pro, and thanks for listening.